Salutations, Ave. Welcome to Babylon Rising, a show about witchcraft, sexuality, and creativity. They're more to everything than following a bunch of old rules. They're more to everything than following a bunch of old rules. Old rules. They're more to everything than following a bunch of old rules. another new episode of the show. I'm very excited for this new episode. It's something I've sort of been thinking about and toying with a lot. It's sort of a continuation of the conversations that I've explored in episodes like Altered States and Magical Thinking or my episode, I think it's just called um, Magic and Madness, where I'm sort of talking about a particular type of experience with magic where, you know, the the seams between magic and, you know, influence the kind of mind games a lot of practitioners will play with themselves and consensus reality and how those two things can sort of rub each other in the wrong direction. And basically, before we delve any deeper, in case you are maybe less familiar with this type of conversation, in general, as practitioners, witches, magicians, occultists, um, you know, anybody who's practicing the craft, really, we all have our own ideas about how, how it works. How does the magic work? Um, we all have our own ideas about that. I think generally, no matter what our individual ideas are, they all kind of generally fit into one sort of general idea or another. People who believe in animism and who think what makes the magic work is that everything that exists is living in some way and we communicate with these other different types of living beings and that's what makes the magic work. Or you think that it's energy and everything is energetic in the universe and we all vibrate uh, in this way or another way. And when we align our vibrations in this particular direction, we align ourselves with the vibration of our desires, of our intentions. Um, We can manifest those desires and intentions into consensus reality. Um, I'm just quickly sort of going over these types of ideas, and I'm sure you can sort of see where you might differ or align with these ideas. There are also people who believe that what makes the magic work is doing the magic properly. It's like baking a cake. You get the cake at the end because you followed the instructions in the recipe, and then you get the cake at the end. Um, That's sort of my simplification of that explanation. And... That's definitely a view I align with more than some others. Um, It's all, it's very confusing. And I think there's no reason you can't be a practitioner who gets results, which keep in mind that's something that's very important to me, results. But what isn't so important to a lot of people and maybe doesn't need to be so, um, it doesn't maybe need to have so much importance placed on it, but is the whys and the hows. 
So like, even though this is an episode with me talking about why and how my magic might work and what people believe about that, do keep in mind that that's not necessarily something that you have to put so much focus in. I think it's sort of, I guess it's something you sort of think about depending on the kind of person you are and depending on how long you, you practice. There are like, your your beliefs can sort of ebb and flow and you might come to a point where it really matters to you the hows and whys and you also might come to points where it really really doesn't matter and what matters more than anything else is the results i remember the first time that i sort of started aligning myself with a more um psychological way of thinking about magic uh this is where my episode um magical thinking and altered states comes in because that's sort of where my path started turning that's the direction i started taking with my magic um and that's sort of the belief that the way the magic happens is our human minds are very useful to the process of magic because of the way that we can process reality in this weird way where there can be consensus reality and you can also really deviate from that to the point that whatever your alternate reality is becomes essentially true functionally true to you that the way you live your life is that these crazy things you believe are basically true and these two things your your personal alternate reality and consensus reality can influence each other and brush up against each other and you can take advantage of that for magical goals um and it can be really wild, the results you can get. Like, I think, as a chaos magician, personally, I sort of, what whatever I believe about how magic works can be very fluid and can also be almost non-existent to the point that, you know, I feel like at my best, I don't care about this kind of thing because it can, depending on your frame of magic, in fact, if you put a lot of focus on the mind and belief, you know, there are people who think belief doesn't have any bearing on magic. I guess recipe people, you know, people who think that the magic works because you did the spell correct, those people wouldn't think that belief maybe is as important as someone who works with a more uh, mind way of thinking that the magic comes from the way you think about the universe and a big part of that is belief right um i've dropped i've dropped a thread <laughs> oh my gosh i'm so sorry what i'm trying to say is that for me i think that when i get too focused on belief in in one way of thinking or another it really messes me up because I overall think that the mind is very important. And if you think that that belief is important and it becomes important and then you lose that belief, you can feel like your magic is just going to fall flat on its face or you can make it that that is the case, in fact. So I try not to let it bother me. I try not to overthink it, but we're going to overthink it here. You know, that's what the purpose of this show is. I think I mentioned in the last episode, um, what was that called? Uh, apocalyptic magic and a queer future. I mentioned that this show is not really meant to be 
a magic 101 type of thing. I kind of, it's sort of, I mean, not that I will never talk about things like that, but just that's not the ultimate goal of the show, you know? Um, nevertheless, moving on. <sighs> I have been thinking about this because I sort of feel like I'm reaching some strange limits to my particular favored, you know, mode of thinking about magic. I will share that. I'll never forget, um, you know, a family member sort of, and you know, my, my paternal family and also my maternal family are very, um, religious and conservative people. Um, and I often feel like I'm in an antagonistic relationship with them, almost no matter the circumstance. I mean, you know, that's my own baggage. It is what it is. But I remember I was being confronted by a family member, um, and they were talking about spirituality, I guess. Um, and I was very confused because they sounded like they really knew what they were talking about and they really didn't. What? And I, I only bring this up in this episode to say that when they confronted me, they they were like, oh, I know how you people think. You think everything's about energy and uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like so offended. I was like, no, like, I don't believe everything's about energy. Everything's about belief to me. Like, I didn't say that because um, I have a very hard time expressing my thoughts and opinions um, to people who I feel like are more often than not antagonistic to those beliefs and feelings. But this was like a big turning point for me because at the same time I was experimenting with this belief model and I was getting really great results. And now several years after that turning point in my practice, I can say like, I feel like I'm finding weird limits to this way of thinking, which isn't that big of a deal. As, as I've mentioned before, um, for me, it's totally fine to be fluid about this kind of thing. There's no reason I have to believe things one way for the rest of my life, or I can't believe or embody a different truth at a different time, you know? But this way of thinking about magic that it is on some level from from my head, from inside my mind, you know, I have a weird relationship with deity work. It's something that I've done for a while and how I do it and what I think about it has changed over time, even though I would still say that I've been doing deity work for a long time, um, from close to the beginning of my practice. Anyways, so what I'm trying to say is that in in terms of, you know, weird limits I've come across, I think deity work is one clear example for me to share, I guess, mostly clear example. Um, and that is that when I was working with deities from a more, you know, neo-pagan perspective, um, my view of deities was very, um, my God, what's the word? Um, soft polytheistic, you know, um, many-faced god, and there's one metagod that's all the gods smushed together, and every type of deity that you can imagine is like different facets on a gemstone. Um, and I don't think anything's wrong with that way of thinking. And I, it's a way of thinking that I sometimes still embody when I feel like it's going to sort of um, get me better results in my practice. But I've sort of moved towards thinking that 
more of um uh archetypal view of deities that they are sort of reflections of a collective human psyche and our general needs and wants and desires and behaviors and such um and i sometimes feel really weird about this way of thinking even though i would gener- if someone asked me that's what i would say about how i felt about deity work um but when you're experiencing deity work it feels like that way of describing it is like too small <laughs> When, you know, when I'm journaling and reflecting on my life, my experiences, and my moments in ritual... Oh, my throat. Give me a second. I made a delicious coffee so that my throat would not get super dry during this episode. Okay, so back to what I was saying. Describing deity work in this sort of way that they are archetypes and reflections of a co- collective human psyche all that stuff feels like not big enough and also like if that is the case it it, it makes me feel very very scared of my mind and not going to lie something that i really struggle with is um i guess I don't really want to talk about this, (laughs) but I will anyways. I'm going to say this. So something I struggle with is a bit of an overactive imagination, I guess I'll call it. And sometimes I feel like my daydreams and also my nighttime dreams and, you know, any wandering thoughts I have can sometimes feel incredibly overwhelming. Like, and I sort of it sort of happens to me in waves. Like sometimes it's really unbearable. Like I feel like I'm going to just dream myself away out of this reality and uh, not be able to find my way back. It's very distressing and upsetting to me. And so I'm sort of dealing with the fact that I'm experiencing that and kind of don't know what to do with myself. And I don't know if magic, I don't know how I'm going to at all use magic to help me with that when the the way of thinking about magic that it it's our brains it's our minds that is doing a lot of the heavy lifting no matter what else might or might not be the case I don't know about that I know about my mind and I know what my brain can do you know I know that I can elicit certain predictive predictable responses um from myself when I for example scry right um and the crazy shit that pops out of my brain when I'm having these experiences in ritual or even when doing spellcraft and then getting results that, you know, you almost always get them in a way that you don't expect. This stuff, it feels so unexpected sometimes. Like, you you can get the result that you wanted and not necessarily in the way that you expected, whether that goes right or goes wrong or nothing happens. And like, I feel this when I, when I am doing any kind of necromancy, um, I can sometimes feel like in the back of my head, like, this is me. Like, this is somehow a little tiny part of me that is speaking to another slightly larger part of me. And we're having this conversation about whatever death, grief, life, 
love, whatever. Um, and then something happens that's so unexpected and is nothing like me and that I would have never wanted <laughs> or, you know, it feels so unlike me, so alien to me. And it's scary because if, if what I think is true and I think it is, that's the whole point of me thinking it. And this crazy otherworldly shit is coming out of me. That's really scary and upsetting to me. <laughs> I mean, also keep in mind, like I said, the backdrop of me struggling with feeling really out of control um, every once in a while, a little too recently. Um, so maybe when I feel less out of control, I won't notice this so much about this way of thinking about magic. Because like I said, this is on one hand, we have the backdrop of me feeling slightly mentally unstable. Um, and you also have the fact that I think this is really the case. I mean, never have felt it so intensely before, but definitely when I began my journey with um, like spirit work for real um, and, you know, divination that isn't just tarot, because I feel like tarot... You can use tarot to communicate with spirits and deities and whatever else, and it's just so different when you use other types of divination that um, feel less reliant on interpretation. Um, things like, or things that are reliant more on chance and less on interpretation, if you understand what I'm saying. So, like, um, bone divination or pendulums or Ouija boards, like, it's to to really believe that these, like I said, crazy, potentially fucked up, otherworldly conversations, experiences, decisions, that they're somehow, even a tiny little bit, coming from you or me or whoever else. And then it's even more crazy when... I don't mean to use like potentially triggering language about like being crazy or unstable. I use the word to describe myself as unstable because that's how I've been feeling recently. Um, but to, to experience these out of this world experiences alongside somebody else, like if you've never done any kind of group magic, no matter what it is, please, I do recommend that you do so because it will change how you think about magic, even if you never do it again um, or whatever. Like, I'm not saying, like, go join, like, a Gardenarian circle uh, for some kind of uh, private, super secret, sky-clad ritual tomorrow. Um, I'm saying, like, for me, I did a bit of, like, necromancy and divination with a friend on the phone and it was so weird and strange and interesting you know interesting experience however you feel comfortable doing magic do that I'm just saying that having done even the tiniest bit of magic that I have done alongside another person even if it's like through the medium of technology um is very interesting and a worthwhile experience, in my opinion. <sighs> I will say that um, even though I don't generally have very large shifts about what I think about magic anymore, because even though I generally think it's 
a pretty safe bet to stick with the altered states psychological framework for magic that it's coming from our minds and from our psyches it's just it's always a safe bet as a chaos magician i still find a lot of benefit in at other times believing in other things you know when i um when i'm uh evoking a goetic spirit when i'm working with demons like when i reflect on the experience i and even, you know, prior to experience planning it out, I do think my thoughts about, um, oh, how am I going to trigger this altered states and blah, blah, blah. But I don't have to think like that whatsoever. Um, I could choose the recipe way of thinking and just be like, plus this, plus this, plus this, you know, plus this wand, plus this circle, plus this pentacle equals the results I want or equals the spirit I'm trying to get a hold of that would work just as fine. Um, and also in the midst of a ritual, I'm not thinking this way at all. Um, because I'm not really thinking, you know, there isn't really a lot of space for really any of this discussion in, in the midst of magic making, in my opinion. Um, and not, this isn't to denigrate anybody's thoughts on, on this issue. Um, including my own, like, it's interesting to have this discussion about how magic might work, how it could work. And we all want to sort of transmit our own ideas about that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, hopefully no offense is taken, but I guess I, I wouldn't know from anyone else's perspective and do let me know what you think. But, you know, in the Ritz, in the Ritz, oh my gosh, sorry, in the midst of a ritual and it's dark and the candles are lit and I'm sort of staring into the scrying mirror or whatever else. I'm concentrating very deeply on the sigil or sign of whatever demon I may be working with at that moment in time. Um, no matter what I experience or don't experience, that's just not really a space that leaves a lot of room for um, this type of analytic thought. Like, I think the best magic is about experience. Um, and yes, there should be room in magic for reflection and becoming a better person. And that's also its own type of magic. But I think, you know, capital O occultism, like experiencing the mysteries, maybe that's the distinction I should be making, like between magic and occultism. Um, because I feel like maybe occult, the word occultism speaks better to the sort of seeking out these mysterious forces and these strange experiences and these haunted places. And I feel like occultism is more, um, the word I mean speaks more to the um, this work being about very much so experiences, um, and even when you know the magic you're working is about um, being more analytic and being more reflective about yourself as is magic that I've done before. It's not like I just summon demons to like behold their unholy glory. Um, I sure, you know, that's great too. Um, definitely a great experience that I would highly recommend. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't also 
um, evoke demons who I want to talk to them about my family trauma. And I want to know, <laughs> I want to know why my dreams are so fucked up recently. And I want to think about maybe what's influencing me to feel all these uh, intense emotions. And I want to understand why I'm doing this bad behavior. And, you know, I didn't realize that it was related back to my experiences with my grandparents and, you know, that kind of thing. Obviously, I think a part of this conversation is that the lines aren't so clear between one way of thinking about magic and how it works from another. And at the same time, when you find a boundary, like when you reach the limits of a tool's usefulness, because I think these are all tools, at least from my perspective, like belief is a tool to get the results that you want. And, you know, pick any one of these, pick animism, pick energy, pick the psychological way of thinking, pick the rules and regulations way of thinking, pick any one of them whenever it suits you. In my opinion, that's my advice to practitioners everywhere, anywhere. Um, but it's less that you're reaching a boundary, I guess, and more that you're reaching the limits of a tool's usefulness. You know, like, you're not going to use like an electric uh, screwdriver to hammer a nail. You know what I mean? Like the electric screwdriver, it's very useful. Okay, you're going to get a lot of use out of it. And it probably has all sorts of cool attachments as well um, that a hammer doesn't have. And it can do all of these things that a hammer can't do and interact with all of these parts and pieces that a hammer can't interact with. But at the end of the day, sometimes you need a hammer instead of an electric screw screwdriver. <laughs> um, and that's, that's that on that, you know. Also, there are limits to other, I mean, there are limits to the usefulness of other belief systems. I know that for me, the, the reason I don't align myself necessarily with a uh, polytheistic or pantheistic way of thinking, wait, no, I do, I would call myself pantheist. I'm confusing myself, sorry. The reason I wouldn't align myself with a polytheistic or soft polytheistic way of thinking um or even an atheistic way of thinking, or monotheistic, or whatever, is that I've sort of come to the end of the usefulness of those beliefs to my life, you know? I used to practice something that was more like a sort of neo-pagan dodecatheism. You know, I worshipped um, the Greek pantheon and I sort of had that way of thinking, and I did a lot of reading and listening to sort of what our great uh, Greek polytheistic minds in the neo-pagan online scene are talking and thinking about, and sort of also making my own mm, sense out of that. And it was it was great, and I like I like learning about history. Something that has always been the case for me, at least, which is a little bit of a side rant, is. I do like the idea of being connected to a sort of past, present, and future at the same time. I know that's the case either way, but in terms of sort of our ideas and our practices and our spiritual practices, like at that point in time, it was um, like ancient history, ancient um, Hellenic history, and now it's it's uh, Renaissance magic and old grimoires and things like that. So that's a consistency for my life. But I left the polytheism behind because 
I sort of came upon the end of the usefulness of that tool to my life. And, you know, other people don't find those types of things happen to them because ultimately that tool is very useful to their life. You know, for me, like I said, I alternate between beliefs when it's beneficial to me. And I do also always come back to a sort of mental uh, altered states way of thinking about magic. And that's because that tool has so far not reached the end of its usefulness for me, but it does occasionally prove not to be the most useful tool in my toolbox of beliefs, okay? Um, I think monotheism is a saw, a handsaw. <laughs> I think polytheism is, um, I think soft polytheism is an Allen key. <laughs> okay, you know what? This, these jokes, they're getting away from me. And I think that means that we've reached the end of the episode at this point in time. I hope this has been a sort of interesting, thought-provoking conversation that you are getting to enjoy this episode. Um, because definitely this has been something that has been on my mind for, like, weeks. For all the weeks that I've been on my sort of uh, little hiatus. Um, but I'm back now and I have all these things I want to talk about. <sighs> so I think that's, that's this episode. We have now reached the end of this episode of the show. If you have any questions or concerns, please do feel free to email me at babylonrisingpodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram where I basically live. I literally live on Instagram. Um, my Insta page is venus.libitna, and both of those things, my email and Instagram, are always linked in the episode show notes, so feel free to check those out. Also, it would be very a very big help to keeping the show running and keeping me going if you were to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Both of these things help keep Babylon Rising on the air. Also, if uh, you so choose, you can also support the show by donating a couple of dollars a month to the show's Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Babylon Rising. Support, feel free to support the show any way you can, even just letting a friend know of its existence. That's also a great way to support the show. So, until next time, Ave Babylon. <laughs>